0: Good morning. All right, just like the beginning, three of you guys are awake. That's good. I wanted to start this morning by reminding you of our last couple services together. I thought they'd been pretty uh, pretty cool. So two weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, but we ended the service with Justin. He prayed the prayer of Paul. Prayed the prayer. That's a good one. Prayed the prayer of Paul. That Paul prayed at the end of uh, chapter 1 to the church in Ephesus. He kind of prayed that over us as we prayed for each other. I don't know if you remember that, but I thought that was uh, just a cool way to uh, to, uh, end our service, just praying over each other. Then last week, we had our hymn sing, and that was a little different than anything we'd ever done. We had all the kids in here and the babies. I thought that was really cool, just having our entire church family uh, together, worshiping together as one. And so this week, you've got me You're excited about that, I know. So that being the case, let's start in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time. I pray that the words uh, that come out of my mouth, God, are your words, and that the uh, illustrations used, everything that's said this morning, just points our hearts and our minds to you and to your hope and to your love. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I'm excited about these verses today in Ephesians chapter 2. As I prayed and prepared, we're going to do something a little different this morning. We're going to actually start at the end, and then we're going to jump back to the beginning. So we're going to start at the end of these verses. Um, a lot of unpack this morning, but I feel like if we start with Christ being the cornerstone and then work our way back, it's going to make uh, the, the beginning of this, these verses even more powerful. Uh, there's a famous quote. You guys have probably kind of heard it or heard some form of it. It says something like, If you aim at nothing you'll hit it every time. You guys heard that. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. I think sometimes in church on Sunday mornings, we got to know where we're going. We kind of forget where we're going. So that's why I'm going to set us up with the end first, where we're going with this. So when I was in college, Catherine, my wife and I, we uh, were able to go on a mission trip to a little country called Armenia. Some of you guys may have heard of it. i, got, I actually got a map of it here. I'm going to show you where Armenia is. So it's Borders Turkey to the west, and then um, Iraq is to the south of it, Iran, Georgia is to the north, and one of the uh, Stans is to the <laughs> east of it. But, uh, <laughs> so this little country, Armenia, we went to this country, and the USSR was in control of Armenia. And uh, talking to the people and the missionaries there, when the USSR was in control, they had a lot of money and no religious freedom. So they were, they were rich, but they had no, no God, no faith much that they could, they could proclaim. So when the USSR left, they literally, the Soviets left Armenia overnight. And it was really creepy and eerie being there because that was uh, 1991 when the Soviet fell. We were there like 2005. So 15 years later, there were these half-built skyscrapers, these different building stuff that literally the cranes were still attached to. That they had just left. Nothing had been touched in about 15 years. And so it looked crazy. But the thing was they pulled anything they could off of these buildings, you know, to take for money, but the foundations were just there. 15 years, nothing, just a foundation of these buildings. And so um, the next thing that I noticed about Armenia was how they built. So in here in America, Catherine and I are actually looking for our first house to buy here in San Antonio. So step one in America is you go to the bank, right? Figure out how you can work everything out. Step one in Armenia is when you have your land, you build a fence. That's step one, build a fence. So you, there's no credit over there. So you just start building as you have money. These, as we looked, as we drove through the country, you would see these fences just with grass or dirt in the fence. That was it. There was just a big fence around land. So that's all you had. If you had the money for the fence, you built the fence. If you didn't have any more money, you didn't build anything else. As you got your money, you would start building the foundation for your house. So some of these houses, most of them started out just like one, built, one uh, room for their house. And, and sometimes they would get, you know, this high. Sometimes they get this high. What happened when they ran out of money? They just stopped building. So in some of the fences, you would see these half... Like half foundations or half walls of these houses that they just sat there and they just continued to sit there until they got enough money. Eventually, they would build the house, eventually, they would add more rooms to the house. But it was just interesting to see all these half built houses and they looked old, they looked run down, but that foundation was firm. So, look at verse 20. It says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, the church foundation was laid by the apostles and the New Testament prophets. So where are the apostles and the New Testament prophets found? In the Word, in the Bible. So first thing this morning is this. I'm about to say something super simplistic, okay? Very simple, but it's essential if your faith is going, if your foundation is going to be strong. And that's this. Your foundation cannot be strong if you don't spend time alone in God's Word. It can't. It can't be strong. There's nothing to it. It's kind of like, you know, as Christians, a lot of times we lose credibility when we hear a story about Jesus, or maybe know just a little bit, enough to kind of talk about it, but then if somebody asks us a certain questions and we're stumped, it's like, you know, where's, your, where's our foundation? I think a lot of that is kind of like, you know, if, if you set up a foundation, you, you, you can get some cardboard, right? You can paint it, you could really paint it up to look like cement or like stone and stick it on the bottom of a building. But guess what? It's still cardboard, right? It's worthless. <laughs> it's not going to do anything as the foundation of the building. And that's what we have to be as Christians. We've got to have that firm, firm foundation. So in Armenia, they'd start with the foundation. Sometimes it would be months later. Sometimes it would be literally years later before they had enough money to build onto that foundation. But the foundation was strong. It was set. And they knew they could go back to it. They knew it was going to work. think a lot of times in the church today in America, what we do is we have our hour of building right? right now. This is our hour of building. And a lot of times, a lot of people, we get our tools, we get the word, we're ready. We come ready to build, right? Ready to build the foundation. And then we leave and we don't think about the tools. We don't think about the foundation. We don't build the foundation. We do nothing throughout the week until we come back next week. That's a terrible way to build. It's got to be constant. It's got to be, we've got to keep going with it. Verse twenty-one, twenty-two. it says, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place by God in the Spirit. This is the goal. The goal is not just a foundation. We kind of get confused sometimes. We think once we get that firm foundation, no, that's that's just the beginning Then we go from there. Catherine and I were driving around yesterday actually with the uh, realtor looking for houses. No one has ever said this, ever, right? You're driving, you come to a neighborhood and they just started a foundation of a house. And you say, I want that. I want that foundation, not the house. I just want that foundation. You would never say that, right? You wanna build the entire house. It's the same with our faith. Once we get the foundation, we gotta keep it going. So that's the goal. Verse twenty one and twenty two. This is one of twenty two is one of those verses in the Bible. It just it blows my mind to think about that we're being built together into a dwelling place for God. God, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He wants to dwell in us. When I think about the fact, you know, that God wants to dwell in me, it really puts things in perspective. Puts things about what I do, and what I spend my time on. It puts it all into perspective because really there's nothing more important for us as believers than to be purifying our hearts and our minds so that the Holy Spirit can dwell in us. I think that's one of the most important things we could do you know, throughout our day is to cleanse our minds, our hearts for the Holy Spirit to be able to live. God's not looking for a place to rent you know, or, or even to... He's not looking for that hotel on the weekends. He's looking for a place to have residence every day, all day. That's what he wants. This is the goal. So we're going to start at the end. So verse twenty twenty-two. that is the goal. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So let's get to the beginning now and how that, revert, how that uh, goes in with the goals here. So I am 30 years old. I turned 30 a couple months ago, right, looking around this morning. Oldest person here is probably maybe 37, 38, maybe. So um, I do not have it all figured out, or, and I'm also not very smart. But in 30 years, what I have found in my seeking and my searching is what makes me happy. And so I know you might have some different things or something kind of like this, but I know that there's two things that I really need just for me to find joy, and that's hope. And purpose. If I have those two things, I'm pretty much good to go. And knowing that, in my life, the reason I'm a believer is because Jesus is the only thing that gives both of those things, hope and purpose. You know, you can find a lot of things to give you a little bit of hope, or you can find things maybe even for years to give you purpose, right? Whether it's a job, whether it's a hobby, anything, it might, it might sustain you for a long time, but it's still not going to continue. It's still going to run out eventually. And so Christ is the only thing that gives us hope and the ultimate purpose. Paul wrote these verses in the church to the church of, in Ephesus because they kind of got confused about what hope was and who was supposed to get the hope. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you were completely hopeless. And I was thinking about one time we were going down the interstate and uh, I looked in my rearview mirror. Traffic stops in front of us. And I look in my rearview mirror and the guy was on his phone something he didn't see it and he was coming fast and what could we do nothing and luckily he he saw it and he actually swerved and ended up beside of us he would have slammed to the back but in that moment i'm thinking i can't do anything the car's right in front of me i literally cannot do anything right now it's scary it's scary to be hopeless and whether it's like that something physical or maybe emotional or spiritual being hopeless is a bad place to be in it causes suicide, causes depression, causes us to do things to our bodies that that we would never do if we had hope. So the church in Ephesus, they were growing a lot at this point, right? And the converts, most of the converts were Gentiles. So let's look at verse eleven and twelve. It says, "Therefore, remember." That at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. So the Gentiles in Ephesus, they knew about the circumcision, right? They knew that the Jews had all these Old Testament uh, covenants that with God. And really, they knew they weren't circumcised. circumcised. They knew that they were not a part of this chosen people. They were just, they were hopeless. They were kind of out on their own. And so, in a way that God never created it to be, at this area, God, the the Jews were almost looking down upon the Gentiles and saying, you know, "You, you aren't like us. You're not as good as us. When that was never the point, God didn't create that difference for the Jews to look down upon the Gentiles. He created that difference for ultimately the Jews to lead Christ to the, or, or lead the Gentiles to the hope and to the love and to the joy that's in Christ. That's, that was that difference. It wasn't to look down upon um, anybody else. So the Gentiles were hopeless. <laughs> they didn't have anything. They didn't have Christ. They didn't have citizenship. They didn't have anything from the Old Testament that pertained to them. They were hopeless. And then the Jews are supposed to be pointing them to Christ, and here they are looking down on them. Which leads us to uh, another quote I've got up this morning by uh, Warren Wearsby. And it says this When the church is least like the world, it does the most for the world. And that really, really hit me this week. You know, we as Stone Oak Bible Church, we need to be a church that people look at us for our love and not for our downgrading or, or, or of other people who aren't like us. And I think that's one of, the, one of the biggest things in the United States right now with the church. And while I know people don't have respect because it always feels like the bashing, you know, and the, and the beating down when we're supposed to be known for our love. Verse 13 is where things change. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, meaning the Jew and the Gentile, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. There is no more circumcised or uncircumcised now. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. This but now right here that these verses start with, it's just like last week in chapter 2, verse 4, if you want to look up there for a minute of this chapter Paul wrote but God and it says but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us these verses are addressing the hate and hostility that was between the Jew and the Gentile but it's also twofold because it deals with us today too and the other twofold part of that is it's talking about the hostility between sinners and God and that's us the sinner and here's the best part it threw the fission for a loop Right? Jesus Christ reconciled them both in his one body. Have, has anybody ever been, not ever been, recently been to a Disney World, Disneyland? Anybody know what the Fast Pass is? Anybody? Yeah, some of you guys know what the Fast Pass is. So here's the Fast Pass at Disney World. We went back in uh, July and loved it, had fun. So there's your entrance to the ride. Let's say you want to ride Splash Mountain. That's a fun one, okay? So we're all going to get on Splash Mountain together. When you go up to the ride, there's an entrance. Entrance, Splash Mountain, wait time. I think when we were there in July, the longest wait time I saw was 120 minutes, right? You can ride like two rides your whole day if you ride that. So here you got 120 minutes, wait time, you can get in line if you want to. Over here, you've got the Fast Pass line. So the Fast Pass, you go online before you go to Disney World, you sign up, there's these one hour slots that you can get a Fast Pass. So the FastPass, what it does is you get your FastPass, you see either on your bracelet, they got these cool bracelets at Disney World now that it's everything in there, like an Apple Watch. So you either have your Apple Watch or your bracelet or your card, you go to the FastPass lane, you give them the FastPass and you're allotted time. So say 10 to 11 would be your allotted time. Give them the FastPass, you hop in line, you go. All these people over here are standing, waiting, they're standing, FastPass line, Gone. To the front. You're winding around. You see all these people. They're all looking at you like you're evil, okay? Because they're in the wrong line. You just go past them. You just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. They take you to the front of the line, and they put you on the ride before all those people. It doesn't make any sense, right? Except you got to know the fast pass line. So you got to know to get your fast pass. That's kind of how it was here, because with the Jews and the Gentiles, the, the Jews kind of thought the Gentiles go this way, and the Jews, we go this way. We're going to get to the same end, but we go two separate ways to get there. And that's what's so important about these verses that Paul wrote. And that's when he blew their mind because he's like, no, the death of, of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection is the way for all people, for all people. So here we are. We're one now. And it's the same. Reconcile means to bring together again, right? Sin is the great divider. It's the great divider. It's been separating people. It's been separating us from God since Adam and Eve. It's the ultimate divider. But when Jesus came to the earth, his work on the cross, it abolished the hostility, not only between Jew and Gentile, but more importantly, it abolished the hostility between us and God, the sinner and God. And that's the gospel. You know, that is the good news, that Christ is the only way But he's also the way for everyone. And that's a beautiful thing. Verse 17, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So just imagine what the Gentiles in Ephesus were feeling as they heard this for the very first time. You remember, they were hopeless, right? They didn't have Christ. They didn't have citizenship. They didn't have the covenants that they knew the Jews had from the Old Testament. It was just no hope. And all of a sudden, they have a new position. So I'm going to throw up the new position here. Just kind of go through these verses. Again, the old position without Christ, and then the new pit position, it's in Christ. They were together. They were one church. They were aliens and in 1 Peter 2.9, it says they were a, a holy nation. You go from an alien to a holy nation. And then strangers, no longer strangers. And it goes on to even say that you went from a stranger to a fellow citizen. That's, that's two opposites right there. No hope, and then called in one hope. Then the last one, without God, members of the household of God. Which goes back to Ephesians chapter 1, when Justin was talking about the whole adoption You know, we were excluded, and all of a sudden we're members of the household of God. So this morning we started with the verses 20-22, and that's where we're going to kind of end, but this time I hope you can kind of understand better how separated the Jews and the Gentiles were as Paul's writing this. Paul didn't describe the Gentile foundation and then the Jew foundation, right? He describes one foundation. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So here's how I want to close this morning. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And In him, as we we just read, and only in him you are a fellow citizen with the saints and members of the household of God. But in our world today, you know, Jesus is hope. He was hope then. He is hope now. There's a lot of things that, that separate us from that hope. There's some people maybe in here this morning that you've never experienced that hope spiritually others of you maybe it's been a while it's been a long while since you've really experienced and just rested in the hope of christ so kind of how we're going to close this morning is is once we begin to sing um craig and justin and, and there's going to be a couple other people just at the back you know sometimes when it comes to hope we just we've just got to talk we just got to share and so uh, there's going to be some people at the back that if you want to pray with them or you want them to pray with you or just talk they're going to be back there just to talk about that but i, I guess my prayer for you this morning is there's no reason to leave without hope. You know, Christ offers it. It's free, and he wants us to take advantage of that. You know, he wants us, he wants to dwell in us all the time, not just some of the time, all the time. And we've just got to open up our hearts and just submit ourselves to him. And so that's kind of, that's my prayer this morning. Um, we would love, we would love, like, like Justin said, we've got the cards. We love praying over the cards, but we would love to pray for you. We want to be here for you, not just talk about the hope talk about the love and send you out, but we're here to to be the hands and feet of Christ and to be and to help you and to show you that hope. So we'd love to pray for you. They're going to be at the back this morning as we sing and just want to just open your hearts just just to talk to God this morning and just really just see what it is, where it is that that you need hope. You know, where, where do you need it? Where are you struggling now? So as we sing this morning and um, as we pray, I just... I hope that you take advantage of that. And, and don't leave here this morning without that hope and that love. So let's pray this morning. God, we know that your hope shines through in all things. And as we kind of talked about in James a couple months ago, Lord, there's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. But the most beautiful thing about your hope is that it shines through, even in those trials. So this morning, uh, no matter what, what we may be facing, God, I pray that you just remind us and you just uh, burn it in our hearts, God. That your hope is greater than the trials, and it's going to outlast the trials if we just cling to you. So we just uh, we thank you for this hope, God. We thank you for allowing us, no matter our background or or where we're from, what our pasts look like, God. We are one church in you, and we thank you for your love. Thank you for bringing us together and molding us together, God. We ask all these things in Christ's name, Amen. Mm-hmm.